So question for you, how many of you have seen or maybe plan to watch today a Charlie Brown Christmas? It's one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, a Charlie Brown Christmas. If you've never seen it, you've got to. That's your homework for today. You've got to go home and watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, it's a remarkable short little movie. And the most important scene is right there when Charlie Brown, he's frustrated as all get out because nobody likes the puny little Christmas tree that he picked out. Everybody's making fun of him. And poor little Charlie Brown kind of cries out in frustration. And he says, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown asks. And that's a great question. What is Christmas all about? And this morning, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in a pew right in front of you. But as we take a look at Luke chapter 2 and kind of the days following the birth of Jesus, what I want us to look at is the account of a few people And specifically, the words they said when they heard about the birth of Jesus. In order for us, as we look at these words here in Luke chapter 2, to discover for ourselves what Christmas is all about. As we, like Charlie Brown, try to discover the true meaning of Christmas. And as we look here at these words, there's really three things we're going to look at. I know you don't have an outline, but this is really simple to follow. Number one is we're going to look at the context, and we're going to see exactly what it is that happened. But then secondly, we're going to take a look at the words of a man named Simeon. And we're going to peer into the words of Simeon as we discover what Christmas is all about. And then we're going to third, take a look at the words of a woman named Anna. And what she has to say about this one who has been born. Luke chapter 2, we're going to take a look at verses 21 through 38 together this morning. First, let's look at really the context and what it is that's happened. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24 says, And when eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they, that is Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of young turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this really establishes the context. Uh, Jesus has been born, and now just a few days later, we see what Mary and Joseph then do. And there's a couple of really important details that I want you to see here in these few verses. But Luke gets into this detail following the birth of Jesus. He shows us, he tells us exactly what Mary and Joseph do in response. And all of these details are given to show us that Mary and Joseph do everything they're required to do according to the law of Moses. Everything that the law of Moses required for Mary and to Joseph to do for this newborn child of theirs, Luke tells us they fulfill it all. 
They obey it all. Uh, Notice Luke tells us Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day, which is according to the law of Moses. Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph traveled into the temple to present Jesus to the Lord as the firstborn son. And again, this is all according to the law of Moses. Now, as we read these verses, we know what's significant about this child. But I want you to imagine that you perhaps were there in the temple on that day and you see this couple, Mary and Joseph, bring their son to the temple to present him to the Lord. This is something that would have been very common. This was in some ways a very ordinary day. This is simply another mother and father following the purification rites for themselves and for their son. But on the other hand, this moment is anything but ordinary. Because the son is anything but ordinary. You know, one of the ironic things we see here is Luke tells us there in verse 24, they offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, if you were to flip back into the law of Moses, you would know that this particular sacrifice that Mary and Joseph offered was the sacrifice reserved for people who were poorer, who didn't have much money. And we don't know exactly all the circumstances with Mary and Joseph, if really they were just impoverished or maybe because of their travels, maybe they just didn't have much money to offer. But either way, they offer the sacrifice reserved for people who are a bit poorer, a little lower socioeconomic status. The normal sacrifice would have been a lamb. And the irony, of course, is that although they were too poor at that moment to purchase a lamb, they had to settle for lesser turtle doves, while at the same time they carried in their arms the Lamb of God. (laughs) The one who, some 30 some odd years later, would offer his life as a sacrifice, the fulfillment of the symbol that all of these animal sacrifices ultimately pointed to. But here's the thing. As far as we can tell, nobody in the temple that day was looking for the Messiah. Nobody was seeking a Savior except one man, this man Simeon. And I want us to take a look now at Luke chapter 2. Let's look first at verses 25 and 26. Luke tells us in verses 25 and 26, as Mary and Joseph are there presenting Jesus, verse 25 says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Let's pause right here and just look at what we know about this man, Simeon, because the truth is we don't know much about him. We really don't know much about this man, Simeon. We know, Luke tells us here, that he was righteous and devout. He's a godly man. Luke tells us that he's looking for the consolation of Israel, and Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit is upon him. But it's really all we know about Simeon. But notice 
Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, this is amazing, this, the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon this promise that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, I want you to do a little creative imagining with me, if you will, and imagine you're Simeon and you've received this promise that you are not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. I imagine that Simeon went to the temple every single day hoping to see the promised one, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. I imagine he went to the temple every single day hoping to see the one who would be the consolation of Israel. That's tremendous faith. And finally on this day, he sees what ultimately fulfills that longing of his soul. Notice verse 27. Luke tells us he came, Simeon came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, into his arms and blessed God and said, now listen, now Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the rise, fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. These are amazing words. <laughs> spoken by this kind of lesser-known figure here in the Christmas story. But again, imagine with me, if you will, in your mind's eye, the scene in the temple that day as Simeon, perhaps stooped and graying, coming to the temple every day, hoping to see the Lord's Messiah. Every day he scans the crowd, hoping to see the baby who will fulfill the promise of God. And finally, one day he sees that child. And imagine, again, in your mind's eye, Simeon approaching Mary and Joseph and asking, uh, can I hold your baby? And there, in Simeon's arms, as he praises God, he holds the one who will one day lay down his life for Simeon's sin, for Mary and Joseph's sin, for your sin and for my sin. This child who fulfills the promises spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the suffering servant, the conquering king, all these promises fulfilled there in the arms of Simeon as he held Jesus in his arms. Listen, there's a lot for us to learn here from the words of Simeon, but perhaps the most important lesson for all of us is what we can learn about Simeon in his relationship with Jesus. Notice again what Simeon says. He says, now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart or to die in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This is kind of a grim thing to say when you're holding a baby in your arms, right? Um, this is kind of an odd thing to say, like, finally, I can die, <laughs> But Simeon knew 
the significance of this child. He knew that because of what this child would do on the cross, Simeon could die in peace, trusting that his sins have been paid for in the Prince of Peace. And this really is the central message of Christmas, that Jesus has come to save us from our sins. This is something that Simeon knew well. I do wonder what Mary and Joseph thought when they heard Simeon's words. When they heard these words that were said about their child, their son. Verse 33 says his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, were amazed at the things that were being said about him. And then I want you to notice again, verses 34 and 35, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon says to Joseph and to Mary, listen, your son, this child, is ultimately going to split the human race. He's going to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And what people do with this child is of eternal significance. And what you and I believe about this child is also of eternal significance. And so I want to ask you, uh, what do you believe about this child? I think I can assume a lot by the fact that you're here on Christmas morning when you could be doing a million other things, but I'm still going to ask you, like, what, what do you believe about this child? Do you believe what the scripture says about who this child is, that he ultimately is the Lamb of God who laid down his life for your sin and for my sin? And then what you do with this child, what you believe about him, ultimately will cause the rise or fall of many, not only in Israel, but around the world. If you've not trusted in him, I want to give you the opportunity, the invitation to put your faith in this one. But again, these are kind of odd words to say. Imagine if somebody said this about, about your child, right? The first time they lay eyes on your son, that this is what they say. These are kind of odd words, aren't they? Uh, they're odd words for somebody to say about your son. They're odd words, but they're true words. But sometimes people say weird things when they see a baby, don't they? Have you ever had that experience? Um, people sometimes say really odd things about a newborn child. When my son Judah was born, uh, the first thing, a nurse, the first thing that the nurse said after laying eyes on my son Judah, the nurse said, he has a Charlie Brown head. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. Uh, he has a Charlie Brown head. Um, there's odd words, but they're true words. He takes after his father. Uh, but it was kind of an odd thing for somebody to say uh, about my newborn son. Uh, and Simeon's words are kind of odd to say about Jesus. But Simeon wasn't the only person who had something to say about Jesus. We are now introduced to another person, Anna. And let's look back into Luke chapter 2 and see the words that Anna has to say when she saw Jesus. Let me read for you. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Luke tells us, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. 
She was advanced in years, which is a nice way of saying she was old. And she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, notice this, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, like Simeon, we don't know much about Anna either. But Luke tells us that she was a prophetess from the tribe of Asher. Luke tells us that she was old, she was advanced in years, that she was a widow. And Luke tells us that she spent her time as a widow serving the Lord there in the temple all the years since her husband's death, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. This is an incredible woman. For a brief application, you know, there are many things we can learn from this particular woman. And for her, it seems like her most important ministry was simply to show up in the temple. Her most important ministry was to show up in the temple and remind people of God's promises and of the hope that they have. Here she is, a widow for much of her life, clinging to a promise of God, declaring good news to those who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. But the main thing I want you to see here in the words of Anna, they're not actually recorded. It simply describes what she says. Look again at verse 38. After seeing Jesus at that very moment, she came up and notice she began giving thanks to God and she continued to speak of him to all those who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Of Jerusalem. Two things Anna did. She praised and she proclaimed. This old woman there in the temple who spent her widowed years there serving in the temple day after day, when she saw Jesus, she went away praising God and proclaiming him. And again, the text doesn't say this, but I think it is implied that I imagine Anna spent the rest of her life, however long it was, praising God and proclaiming the good news of Jesus' birth. So see, when we look at the response, when we look at the words of these two people here in Luke chapter 2, there's a lot that you and I can learn. From Simeon, who every day was looking for the Messiah, we learn that this child is what our hearts are truly longing for and that he fulfills the desire of our soul, that he is our salvation. Again, verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And from Anna, who went away and continued to speak of him, we learn that this child is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our proclaiming, of sharing the good news of the joy that he brings to the world. So Charlie Brown asks, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? (laughs) Simeon and Anna know. You know, this morning, as our family gathered around, as we woke up this morning, and before we were about to open our stockings and our presents, my son Judah, Mr. Charlie Brownhead, he said something really profound. Now, there in the excitement of about to opening our, open our stockings and our Christmas presents, Judah said this. 
He said, Jesus is very kind to share his birthday with us. <laughs> Jesus is very kind to share his birthday with us. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and so as we bring our service to a close, after I pray here, we're going to sing together, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and Joy to the World. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you uh, just for the joy that we know what Christmas is all about. That as much as we can have fun and rejoice about being together with family and opening presents and singing songs and uh, having a good meal, I thank you that uh, we have a true reason to celebrate and rejoice. Uh, that we know the one who offers to us salvation. That we know the child who's worthy of our praise and worthy of our proclaiming. Uh, thank you that of all people, uh, we have something to celebrate and rejoice together. God, thank you for the family here at Grace Bible Church and for our family and friends who've gathered with us this morning. Uh, I pray that you would continue to fill our hearts with rejoicing at the good news of the birth of Christ our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen.